Welcome to the Wisdom Journey. This is a three-year journey through the entire Bible with a lesson each weekday. You're about to hear Stephen Davey teach a lesson called 12 Pairs of Dirty Feet. It's a lesson from the Gospels on the topic of humility. Serving Jesus Christ means serving others as He serves us. That requires humility and selflessness but it always results in true spiritual happiness. Keep listening to learn more. Now, as we begin our wisdom journey today, the Lord Jesus is preparing for a final meal with his disciples. In Luke's Gospel in chapter 22, we're given the details of what happens as the disciples now gather in this upper room, if you can believe what happens next, verse 24. A dispute also arose among them as to which of them was to be regarded as the greatest. And he said to them, The kings of the Gentiles exercise lordship over them, and those in authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. Rather, let the greatest among you become as the youngest or the least, and the leader as the one who serves." Can you imagine for a moment how Jesus feels here? Just hours away from his arrest and suffering, he's poured his life into these men. He's modeled humility. And look, they're fixated here on who's going to be the greatest, who's going to get the spotlight in the coming kingdom. Well, Jesus, frankly, surprisingly to me, patiently continues teaching them here. This is what he says in verse 27. For who is the greater by worldly standards, one who reclines at table or one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at table? But I am among you as the one who serves. Now with that, the Lord reminds them that they're going to sit one day on thrones, 12 thrones, judging the 12 tribes of Israel in the coming kingdom. There's no reason to not believe that literally. It's going to happen literally one day. Uh, Now, at this point, however, if I were Jesus, I'd be looking for 12 new disciples. These guys don't deserve to sit on any thrones. Now, John chapter 13 picks up this event and records for us what happens next here in verse 3. Jesus, knowing that the Father had given all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments and, taking a towel, tied it around his waist. Now, in these days, roads were dusty. Sandals were common. He usually had a large water pot, typically placed at the entrance of a house, and a household servant would arrive with a ladle and a towel to wash the dirty feet of the guests as they came in. See, when people ate, they reclined on a simple mat on the floor. They propped themselves up uh, on one of their elbows, facing a, a rather low, rectangular wooden table. Well, if their feet were dirty, everybody knew it. But here, there's no household servant anywhere in the picture. And not any of the disciples evidently volunteered. So we're told here in verse 5, to the shock of these disciples, that Jesus poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet 
and to wipe them with the towel that was wrapped around them. I'm sure you could have heard a pin drop. Now, in case the disciples are wondering what Jesus is up to, Jesus very plainly tells them here in verse 13, You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If I then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. Well, let me just say, first off, don't misunderstand here. Some wonderful Christians would say here that Jesus is instituting another ordinance for the church, that we ought to wash one another's feet. The Lord is not giving them here a mandate. He's giving them a model. This isn't an ordinance. This is an object lesson of humility. We don't wear sandals typically, and our sidewalks are paved. And we ought to wash our feet, certainly, but we do it ourselves. He clearly says to them here, notice verse 15, I have given you an example. In other words, there are a thousand ways you can be a servant leader. There are a thousand ways you can humbly serve other people today. Now, I I have no doubt that eyes are all turned down in shame as they see the Lord, their master, playing the role of a household servant, washing their dirty feet. By the way, this included Judas Iscariot's feet. Well, I would have pinched his toes. I wouldn't have washed his feet, but the Lord did. Now, when the Lord arrives at Peter's feet, Peter you know, pulls him up and says here in verse 8, you shall never wash my feet. In the original language, Peter uses a double negative, ume, which is a way of emphasizing. He's saying, Lord, there's absolutely no way in the world you will ever wash my feet. And Jesus says to him here, if I do not wash your feet, or if I do not wash you, you have no share with me. The word share here refers to fellowship. The Lord is telling him, if I don't wash you, you can't have fellowship with me. Now, in verse 9, Peter says, well, in that case, give me a full bath. You know, wash my feet, my hands, and my head as well. Jesus says in verse 10, the one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. And you are clean, but not every one of you. Now, the Lord here is referring to two kinds of baths. One is the bath of regeneration. That's salvation. That's where you are totally cleansed once and for all from the penalty of sin. And you only need that bath one time. Paul wrote in Titus chapter 3, verse 5, that he saved us by the washing, the bath of regeneration. Well, then there's another bath. We'll call this the bath of restoration. This is, this is the bath that restores fellowship. This comes when the believer confesses his daily sin. David prayed that way in Psalm 51, verse 7, Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. The bath of regeneration gets you into the family of God. The bath of restoration keeps you in fellowship with God. Because the truth is, our feet get dirty every day. And we need our fellowship restored through daily confession. Now, you might have noticed that Jesus says here that not every one of them has been cleansed or redeemed. And obviously, this is a reference to Judas. He's never been saved. Let me tell you, there are many people who you'd think are are, are part of the family of God, but inwardly, secretly, they aren't interested in Jesus at all. 
They've never had the bath of regeneration, which comes through faith in Jesus Christ. So this scene sends a message that just because you're familiar with Jesus doesn't mean you're a part of his family. So if you're an unbeliever today, here's the message. Right now, give your heart and your life to Christ. Now, there are are two messages here for the believer. First, you can't have fellowship with Christ if you have dirty feet. Dirty feet here represent a lack of fellowship because of sin that, that, that broke that close fellowship, that intimate relationship with the Lord. You need to confess it. And, and frankly, as your feet get dirty every day, you ought to be quick to daily confess your sin. Keep that fellowship with your Lord fresh and clean. Here's the second message. Serve other people like Jesus did, and you'll experience a unique happiness in Christ. Jesus says here in verse 17, if you know these things, blessed, happy are you if you do them. Let me tell you, spiritual happiness isn't the result of information, but application. So roll up your sleeves, wrap a towel around your waist, so to speak, and wash a few feet. Find somebody you can serve, and you will experience satisfaction and happiness in the Lord. Now, here in verse 18, Jesus refers specifically to Judas, saying, He who ate my bread has lifted his heel against me. But imagine Jesus washed his dirty feet as well. This is a convicting example. See, I tend to wash the feet of somebody who's going to wash my feet in return. The truth is, if we will wash the feet of only those who will return our acts of service with appreciation, we might never serve anybody at all. Many Christians today won't wash anybody's feet because it doesn't offer them anything in return. Think about this upper room scene here. Jesus washed all 12 pairs of dirty feet. And what was their response? They can't wait to sit on their own throne in the kingdom. Thomas is still going to doubt him. Judas will still betray him. Peter will still deny him. In fact, they're all going to run away from him in a matter of hours. And he knows that. But he washed their feet anyway. Notice, we aren't told here if Jesus had his feet washed that night. Did somebody volunteer after the Lord finished? Well, frankly, I would guess that after this lesson was over, uh, the disciples all crowded around their beloved master, and they, they all wanted to take part in demonstrating you know, this humble service in washing their Lord's feet. We don't know. But we do know this. All but one of these disciples devoted their lives, eventually, to their dying breaths, to modeling servant leadership they learned this night here in the upper room. Well, with that, we're out of time. Until we set sail again, beloved, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. That was Stephen Davey, and he called this lesson 12 Pairs of Dirty Feet. It's a challenging reminder, 
And I hope God used this time in His Word to encourage you today. Stephen is giving away a free resource this month, and I want to tell you about it. It's on the topic of abortion. Abortion is one of the greatest tragedies. It steals the life of unborn children, and it views children as the result of some cosmic accident rather than the result of God's meticulous craftsmanship. So, what's God's view of life in the womb? What does He think of it? Well, if there was ever a time that the world needed Psalm 139, it's today. King David gave us an unparalleled glimpse into humanity's true womb. Stephen's resource, Designer Made, is free for you to download. We'll send it to you upon request. Visit wisdomonline.org forward slash designer. We'll send a copy to your email inbox right away. Then join us next time on this wisdom journey.